Hey yo, hey yo, listen. Yo, what's good? You're listening to Sin. 90.7. Hip, hip hop, hip hop anonymous. Damn you! You get hit the easy one. You're listening to Sin Hip Hop. Yes, get it. <laughs> You're listening to the Sin Hip Hop Show on 90.7 FM and online with Matt and Hannah. Our meeting today is held on the lands of the Rwandri people and I wish to acknowledge them as the traditional owners. I would also like to pay my respects to the elders past and present and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be here today. This is our final show for the season and to signpost a terrific start to the year, we have a very special guest. Ziggy Ramo is the most important musician in the hip-hop scene to suggest otherwise would be a gross understatement. Over a very short period of time, he has become an integral as peers like Briggs and Remy. Like the two of them, Ziggy is swinging sledgehammers in his efforts to expose Indigenous issues within this country. Ziggy is at the forefront, slicing deep into the heart of race relations in Australia today. Over the last year, the 24-year-old Sydney-based artist has risen from emerging artists to established with his insightful, emotional debut EP, Black Thoughts quickly followed by the powerful single Blackface. With a style that owes itself more to the golden era of hip-hop, we welcome Ziggy Ramo to the show. Hello. That's, uh, you're supposed to undersell and then allow me to over-deliver. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, nonsense. Ziggy, you are being labelled as one of the most important voices in Australian music right now. Can you give us some insight into the issues and social contracts that you've been tackling as you break down uh, your thoughts and processes through the new album? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Like, I think uh, I'm just trying to share, like, what I've lived, like, what's authentic to me. I think, like, I grew up, like, a lover of music, but I didn't really feel like the music that I listened to was telling, like, our story and, like, telling my story. Um, so... Uh, after many years of, of trying to not be a terrible musician, um, I finally felt like, like I had enough understanding of like my own skill set to be able to start trying to like actually share my voice and, and share what was real to me. So, yeah, it, it's obviously like it's pretty weighty and there's some like big, um, big concepts and like you know, race theory and, and a bunch of stuff and a bunch of historical stuff that is being tackled, but um, it's just authentic and it's just like what I've lived and just my understanding of it. And it's not an expectation that people have to agree with me. Um, I think like it's actually trying to create conversation around things that I don't think we really talk about because we don't understand and because we don't understand we're afraid to, as adults, sound not intelligent um so yeah I don't know if that's coherent or if that makes sense but um I feel like I've spoken so much about it that I'm kind of like at a point where it's like I don't really like want to tell people like what they have to think or like what I'm trying to say like it's more allowing people to um interact with the art and kind of go on their own journey with it yeah, interesting. And alongside that album, which obviously was at the forefront of your work last year, you were also involved in the Deadly Hearts compilation record, uh, which had a number of other incredible musicians on there. Um, I really enjoyed the song Gigi you had with Maisha. I was wondering how you got involved in that project and for those unaware, what kind of the ethos and the, the point of the whole compilation was? 
yeah that's like one of my favorite songs i love that song so much um i was asked um by Maisha's team because uh, she was going to be putting out a deluxe uh album uh, a version of her album which is so incredible um mm. and i was asked about if i would be interested in like doing a remix um on that and uh i kind of just like struggled with it a little bit initially because i felt like um i didn't want to approach it like a traditional sense of like a remix where like you keep the song exactly as it is and then you take out an original verse and then kind of slap your verse on it um just because like i feel like she's such a profound storyteller and like her the body of work as well like the album to me is like so coherent and it's like really painting a picture and so i kind of felt like um she'd kind of already said like what needed to be said. So when I was listening through to the album, like on a way of like, Oh, like if I was going to remix anything, like what would I do? And then Chi Chi um, like is an interlude on the album. And it, I just thought like the production on it was just so interesting and so dope to me. Like, um, and so then I, um, I just kind of started playing around with it and um, I flipped it and, and started sampling it. And then once I kind of found a loop, uh, I just like, I felt like, cause I'd put this album out, um, in 2020, that was like five years old to me. So like, to me, it's almost like listening to a different person. Like I've like, you know, I think you hope in five years, like you've grown and like <laughs> you aren't hopefully you're five years wiser in a way, you know? And so like, I felt like Chi Chi to me was kind of like an extension of like where I'm at now, like with, with what I'm dealing with on the album and so I kind of like yeah like I, I built like that loop um and flipped the sample and then like Chi Chi just kind of flooded out like super quickly um and then Lewis uh Mitchell who is like my vocal engineer like co-produced it with me um mm. and then we were like trying to figure out is this ever going to come out because like trying to clear samples and then like uh you know her team was really supportive of, of it and my issue was really supportive of it um and like abc had already reached out about being a part of like deadly hearts compilation which again like i can't i guess i kind of do things like a little bit unconventional like that is supposed to be like a cover of something um and and yeah definitely check it out like uh i think it's like this second or third um installment of it and there's always like so many amazing covers but i just really wanted uh chi chi out in the world and it just kind of to me made sense that like it fits um on that um and then yeah to me it was just so cool like to be able to be sampling like a first nations artist um and then like being that like existing in the world like on that compilation um and then got to perform it on new year's um at the opera house, which was just like pretty special. Um, Cause like that show, uh, again, it was weird that a lot of people were doing covers and I, I guess like mine is kind of a cover. And, um, uh, but to be able to like be on that platform and, and be talking about like mental health and um, I guess just like my life and, and my dad's life and his dad's life. And I guess what we've been living through. Mm. Yeah, and it, it all comes through. It's such a beautiful song and a great compilation. Again, everyone, go check that out. Um, you mentioned your New Year's performance. Um, I watched the Opera House performance recently, actually, which was just 
um, amazing the whole way through and super emotive, uh, particularly on um, the performance of April 25th, where you just kind of let it all out. And it's a challenging watch, but something everyone really should check out at home. Um, I was wondering what was kind of how how did that whole experience go down? What was it like performing in such a way to more or less an empty, empty arena? Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, I think for me, 2020 was such an interesting year because I felt like the markers of what we were judging art by was kind of shifted because, you know, when everything was shut down and, I mean, you know, fingers crossed and, and thank you that we're moving back to a way that we are able to have audiences and, you know, people's health and safety is, is improving. Um, but, like, in 2020, I felt like, prior it was our show is successful if you sell x amount of tickets and you know it's successful if it does this amount of streams and um i think like a lot of people kind of wanted to hold on to putting their art out until you could go back to those markers but i think for someone like me and an artist like me it was like the perfect time because it was like um yeah, my art might not necessarily like sit in traditional spaces that will make me successful. You know, it's like, it's hard to kind of put a song like April 25th on the radio because it's, it does make you super uncomfortable and it is super challenging. But I felt like the fact that there was nothing else going on and like you kind of had to just like sit down and accept it. And so then I felt like the, the benchmarks changed and it was about, you know, how... The, the the success of the art was about what is the art like what's it trying to say like is that message being um explored and conveyed and and so for me it was just like I kind of felt like a kid in a candy store because it was like not just the fact that you know I got to play um you know on such an iconic stage but like what um like the freedom and support from like the opera house team that I had to um to, to what we did on the stage, you know, like it, it was, um, it was super artistic and like, we really went for it. Um, and to kind of come full circle, like I'm, uh, performing on the forecourt of the opera house on the 10th of April, I think, mm. uh, and able to have a bit of an audience and, and kind of doing a similar performance to, to that. Um, but now with people and it's just, yeah, I think for me, it's weird, like obviously 2020 was a terrible year in, in so many regards, but I think for me, it was kind of like, I felt a sense of like, um, it was kind of push come to shove. And it was like, what kind of artist do I want to be? How do I want to use my voice? And um, I felt like just a real sense of clarity in in why I'm making art and, and how how to kind of navigate these spaces. and. I don't really care anymore. Like I just, <laughs> it's just like, it, you know, because it's so, it's so shit. Oh, so I don't know how I can curse over, but um, it, it's, it's terrible that like uh, an album that I wrote five years ago is like relevant today. Like, and it's talking about racism and race relations. Like it shouldn't be relevant anymore, but it is. And so I think like when it, like it, listening to it to me and like performing it to me, it just like, it's like this is life and death. Like there's a line on on stand for something off the album, and it says, um, "How many more lives will it um, 
take to go to waste before you get up to date with the state of inequality between race. And it's like, I wrote that five years ago or six years ago now. And it's like, it literally took like George Floyd to die over in the States for us to stop and think about what's going on here. And, you know, David Dungai died five years ago and no one was talking about it then. And so it's like, unfortunately, like George Floyd isn't the last name that like, is going to make a stop like there's going to be many names to come and that's like a song like chi chi for me um was kind of like trying to articulate the fact that this is a journey we're on and it's not going to be fixed um with a single hashtag as good as like building awareness is um what i think like the art that i really want to make is, is, is about like trying to bring people on this journey like versus uh just kind of uh checking in and out and, and not necessarily like being um, involved with it. So when I did something like the opera house, it was like trying to make a statement that um, like that evokes reaction and, and creates feeling so that, cause we, you know, we talk about this stuff all the time, like, and it's so intellectual and it's so up in our heads, but it's like, we're talking about human rights, like and, and fundamental human rights and I think that's a feeling thing so I think for me with the art that I try and make it's about allowing people to connect emotionally and feel like when you see the pain that I'm experiencing it's a human experiencing that and and you've experienced that for different reasons but you know I think trying to draw that connection um that you know with with similar like we're human um and and we just want our rights yeah definitely and Stepping into a um, program that you've been a big part of as well, Support Act, during COVID and the 2020, you know, the pandemic all of last year, we saw mental health rates skyrocket, financial assistance among young people and the artistic community double. And now with the end of JobKeeper fast approaching, many young people, artists included, are feeling the pinch and pressure to stay afloat right now. Can you please elaborate or give us an understanding of the work that Support Act is doing to help creatives in the scene right now? Yeah, definitely. I think Support Act reached out to me about um, they're doing a series called Tune Ups uh, where different people in the industry are kind of just talking about their journeys uh, with mental health and their relationships to that. Um, and I think... Yeah, like it's as an artist or someone who works in the industry, like so many of us, you know, we're not on salaries. Like we're not on, we, we don't have health benefits. Like we don't have uh, that safety net. Like you kind of ask to pour your heart and soul into everything. And then also you're kind of living uh, check by check and, and show by show. And like a lot of us as well, like it, it took me a while to understand that it's like, it's music but there's also the music business and so it's like you are running a business and, and learning how to like forecast uh to have like stability and that that takes like time you know well I mean because I, I didn't have no like handbook on how to figure that out so it took me just like loads of time getting it wrong um to be able to start to figure out something that worked for me but I think what's so important what Support Act is doing is, is they're creating like a space for people to be able to come and build build their capacity um, to navigate the music business and, and navigate the music industry because it is such a toxic and uh, yeah I kind of like I kind of sit outside of it in a way you know like I'm independent I'm not published 
I was self-managed for a while there. Um, like I don't, I don't really um, do much music industry stuff because it's like we, we, we've built a system that's um, set upon exploitation of artists. And, you know, I, I really believe, you know, my dad, he was born as like flora and fauna in this country. So for me, like my self-determination is not only an artist, but as a person, um, is kind of like at the core of my existence. Uh, so I think like something like support act where, um, artists or music industry professionals can, can find support and can find a place to, to be able to, cause it's like, taking care of your mental health is cool. Like it's not like, like being a, and that's what I think is so important as well is like building the literacy of, of music professionals um, so that we can have like some kind of middle class. Like it's not just like you're either like the most successful artist in Australia who's making bank or you're like the artist who's eating like two minute noodles and like is working 10 jobs and is just like trying to find a way to get their song played on a certain radio stations or, or whatever, you know? And so like, I think what Support Act is doing is building a space like where artists and, and, and people can understand like that they're not alone, like in the, in the experience that they're going through. And, and then also trying to, I think like build people's capacity to um, like better navigate, navigate like this industry that does like have a lot of, I think, shortcomings. Yeah, definitely. And something as well with support actually you touched on a little bit there is Tune Up. Tune Ups is a high impact and intimate revealing video series on mental health with Australian music heroes. The seven part series gives audiences a glimpse into the personal journeys of Australian artists and throughout not only their career, but also the pandemic. Some other artists that were involved are the Teskey Brothers, G-Flip and more. Ziggy, you're on it. Your episode comes out tomorrow, April 8th. Uh, what can the fans expect from this? And most importantly, where can they see it? I, I hope they can see it everywhere. I think it's on like the World Wide Web of the internet. I'm like technologically <laughs> not super advanced, but uh, I assume and I hope it's accessible everywhere uh, on uh, the interwebs. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, um, it was such an honor to be asked to be a part of it. Uh, I think so much of, of mental health and, and improving mental health is about breaking down stigma and um, building like that space for people to be able to, to talk and be honest and, um, I think, you know, for me, like my biggest struggle with my mental health was just being really afraid and scared to, to show people like my authentic self. So I felt like I was always kind of wearing like a different hat and a different mask and just trying to project like everything was okay when, you know, like, cause there's just so much anxiety about like, what if people don't think that, you know, I'm this or I'm that. And uh, for me being able to let go of that and, you know, go through countless uh years of, of counseling and therapy um to be able to come to a place where like i'm kind of now like <laughs> i don't interact with people unless i'm myself like because it's just like super unhealthy for me um but yeah you know i think it is like what's so great about tune ups as well is like there are different artists and and, and different music professionals who have different experiences and different stories and I think that's what's so important as well is building an understanding that mental health is not a, a one size fits all. 
you know, our, our lived experience is so different and so unique. Um, we do definitely have like crossovers uh, with the human experience, but at the same time, like how our coping mechanisms manifest and, and what we're going to need to do uh, to maintain and, and learn how to manage our mental health well into the future um, is going to be completely different for everyone. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's like, I think it's really great uh, that there are people in the industry that are willing to, to talk openly and authentically about, um, you know, kind of behind. I feel like so much of the industry is, is like, not even just industry, just like life is like smoke and mirrors and, and projection of like the best version and, and this. And like, it's not to say that like you need, you owe everyone everything of yourself. Um, but I think like when it becomes the detriment to yourself, to have to uphold um, some kind of version of yourself. Uh, yeah. So I think the fact that we're kind of tearing those walls down and just allowing people to be themselves is, is really empowering. Yeah. It's such, such important work. And as you, as you mentioned earlier that you, the album that just came out was in the works for such a long time. And I can only imagine how much of a, a weight was lifted off you when you finally got that out there as well. Um, I was actually at the invasion day March um, earlier this year and was walking past, you know, they had just like speaker setups all along the road. And at one of the speakers, they were blasting out black thoughts. Um, as a whole bunch of people were standing around fists in the air, dancing in solidarity and everything like that. And after having this in the process for such a long time, um, how does it feel to have, to see your music like actively resonate within this cultural movement like that? Yeah, it's, it's kind of surreal in a lot of ways. I think, um, I think as well, like with the album, like Black Thoughts, like it was never going to come out and do crazy numbers, like, because it's like, it's so funny, like, I think when I was younger and, and why I kind of held on to the album for so long was, like, worried about how people are going to react. Like, oh, like, people might not agree with me. And it's, like, I kind of came to a place of understanding. It's, like, people should disagree with this album and should be disagreeing with my art because what's going on I completely disagree with. And the reality is, is most of us benefit um, the majority benefits from st upholding status quo. So my existence and, and what I talk about is kind of going against everything that the majority of us in this country have learned and accepted. So I kind of came to a place where it's like, I really just like, I don't, I mean, I care so much that I don't care about controlling um, the reaction anymore. So it's like, I kind of just was like, this is just what I'm supposed to do. And like, if people disagree with me, that's fine. And I think like, I think people should be able to disagree because it's about building an environment where we actually have discourse and are actually able to learn and grow from each other versus just like canceling each other. Like, yeah, obviously you should be held accountable for your actions, but at the same time, if we don't build a space like, where discourse and dialogue can happen, then how are we ever going to create sustainable and long-lasting change? Because for me, it's not just about like someone being like, yeah, Ziggy is a spokesperson, whatever he says is right. It's actually like about people being like, I'm listening to this album, I'm absorbing this art, 
And now that makes me want to go and further my understanding, because if it's just rote learning, like that won't mean that when push comes to shove and, and you're in your workplace or you're in your family life, you won't know how to navigate in, in a, in a non, um, in a non-biased way. Like if you don't actually learn for yourself individually, how to deconstruct and unlearn um, your subconscious and, and deeply rooted uh, bias, uh, we're never going to create that change that I'm really after. So, so to answer your question, it's been completely like, it's been completely, I guess, surreal and shocking because it's like, I kind of was at a place where I was like completely comfortable with people hating it. And look, some people definitely did and that's fine, you know, but like to see people resonate with it, um, like fills me with so much hope because like, to me, depending on how you react to like what I'm doing, it kind of shows to me where you as an individual are on your journey with this, because like, you know, it's like, when a man hears oh, something around gender equality and they have to pipe up and say, not all men, that demonstrates that they're really early on their journey from understanding their privilege. Whereas, you know, if you can engage in a conversation and understand like, obviously it's not all men, but we live in a patriarchy and this is a result of, hundreds of years of systemic oppression towards women. So when we're talking about these constructs, we're clearly not talking about individuals, you know, like that again, like it's like how you react and engage with these stimulus demonstrates where you're at. So to uh, be connected with a lot of people who have resonated with it, like has filled me with so much hope because like it showed to me that there are a lot of people who are far along on their journeys and who have been invested in, in being self-educated and um, unlearning their biases and understanding their privileges. So yeah, it, it's, it's hard to quite express it, but um, I played a show a couple weeks ago for the first time, like with an audience of like with the Black Thoughts album. And that was just crazy. Cause it was like, majority white people like sitting paying for me to like get up there and just be completely honest and like not hold back not sugarcoat anything and to see people like hold space for it and engage with it and interact with it um and then resonate with and and understand it like understand it that it's because i'm a human i'm expressing human emotion like it's just it's super overwhelming, uh, but super inspiring because not one person is going to fix this. It's not my, like my music isn't going to be the thing that changes everything. It's like, it's the seed that will continue to grow and allow people to come together. You know, it's just trying to plant these seeds that allows people to grow on their own journeys and for us to come together as a collective and address something that, we haven't addressed for, for over 200 years. 
yeah thank you for opening up and saying all of that and yeah as you said you had that show and we have your show coming up at the at the opera house again the return uh and then tomorrow i we we're hoping on youtube everywhere but on the internet we we have the new episode of tune ups which is uh the 8th of april um other than that i just wanted to say thank you on behalf of me and hannah and and sin in general um do you have anything else you wanted to say for the people up there or what's coming up next or anything like that uh yeah thank you so much to everyone who holds space for me and listens or consumes or interacts agrees or disagrees with my art like thank you for uh for coming on the journey with me um like do you I, I don't remember what age it was but do you remember when you're like sitting on a bus or like you're walking down the street and then you see someone and then you're like oh that is not just a person in like who's a background character in my life, like they're having their own life and like everything is so important to them. Like, you know, you have that moment and like the whole world just kind of like melts and it's like, oh my God, like I'm the background character in their life. And it's like, you kind of start to realize like we're all just kind of trying to figure this out. And um, none of us have all the answers, you know, and I never want to kind of try to come off as if like I'm this big, spokesperson or anything it's just like it's just my understanding of, of what i've gathered um so thank you to everyone who like engages and and enters this discourse and um allows me to do what i do because i wouldn't be able to do it if people didn't support um because i'm out on this independent life which is hustle mania um but no yeah thank you so much and uh definitely new music i mean the um the good thing about holding on to the album for five years before you put it out means you got a bunch of time uh, to have written new music, I guess new old music, old new music. I don't know what the, the right word is. Um, but yeah, there's definitely new music uh, coming this year and hopefully just coming for many years to come. So yeah, I think that's, I've, I've been talking too much as always, uh, but thank you so much for having me. No worries at all. Talking Amazing. too much is 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 your job in this interview, so <laughs> it's encouraged. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening. This has been Matt, Hannah, and Ziggy Rama on the Sin Hip Hop Show. If this discussion has raised issues with you or someone you know, you can contact one of the following services: Beyond Blue on one three hundred twenty two forty six thirty six, Kids Helpline one eight hundred fifty five one eight hundred and Lifeline, 13 11 14. That wraps up that interview, Sin Hip Hop Fam. But don't you worry, there's plenty more. You can always listen into our show from 8pm every Wednesday on 90.7 FM or sin.org.au. In the meantime, have a look at our socials. Just search Sin Hip Hop on Instagram, Facebook and Omni.